Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy Mac, and tonight our Cleveland Cavaliers took on the Memphis Grizzlies for the first time this season. It's the first of two games that they will see Memphis this year, and boy, oh boy, was it a dog fight until the end. In a game where nearly half of the fucking Grizzlies roster is injured, and I'm not going to lie, I thought this would play out a little differently. And don't get me wrong, you know, I don't want to come off as the Grizzlies, we should just, you know just be throwing this game away as a W because I didn't exactly think it would be a cakewalk. This is the NBA after all, where any team can catch you sleeping if you let them. And for what it's worth, that wasn't my overall takeaway of how the Cavs played this team. They took them seriously, in my opinion. It was just a combination of a few things that made this game go down to the wire. And keep in mind, the Cavs are still trying to sort out the rotations due to the reintegration of star point guard Darius Garland, who has apparently become fans' new scapegoat. I don't get it. I don't know. Uh, It's not surprising, though. The team also lost Jared Allen early in the third quarter. Um, Hopefully, that is not a lengthy absence. Definitely not something that uh, I'm looking forward to if if it really causes Allen to miss a significant portion of time. And don't get me wrong, I was pleasantly surprised with the minutes that Damian Jones uh, gave Cleveland tonight. He actually had quite a nice night in relief of Allen. Jones was able to put up 7.6 boards and an assist, including three blocks. And one of them was really, really highlight worthy. I'll probably end up clipping it later on. But uh, yeah, that's not necessarily something you want to see. It just seems like for every time this team gets a little bit closer to full strength something else just has to happen uh we get evan mobley back we get darius garland back and then right after that we lose jared allen for who knows how long i'm I'm hoping that it is not a significant injury but we shall see um glad the the game still resulted in a win obviously um you know back-to-back wins for this cleveland team and two nail biters of games against detroit and now memphis but it just it doesn't come without a a little shroud of darkness over it um reaper here uh, reaper 23 says spider on a tear january's player of the month yeah man this dude has been doing some phenomenal shit uh, really in the absences of Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. And I'm glad that he was rewarded for his efforts with that player of the month award. Just the second Cleveland Cavalier to win that, uh, that award, LeBron James, obviously being the other, but yeah, Mitchell has been nothing short of amazing, whether he's playing the point, whether he's out there in an off ball role. And now with DG back in the fold, you're probably going to see those two kind of staggered a little bit more. Uh, we'll talk about Garland here in a little bit, but I, I I have been very, very impressed. And that's crazy because I was already really impressed coming off of the season that Donovan gave us last year. Uh, tonight, Donovan would finish with 25, 4, and 7 on 10 and 19 from the field, including 3 of 9 from three-point distance. And they, you know, they, John Michael and AC made mention of it during the broadcast, but this man's work in the clutch is just phenomenal. Whenever the Cavs really, truly need a, a basket or they need to just kind of pull away uh separate themselves from the opponent late down the stretch Mitchell just always seems to be up to the task whether he's driving inside knifing his way into the paint for a contested layup or he's just literally pulling up in the face of the opponent and drilling a triple on their head he's he, he has game for the moment which leaves me to believe that come this postseason 
he'll he'll right the wrongs that were the, that happened in that Knicks series where he just kind of wilted. I really honestly feel like Donovan is it, it, you can win a championship with him as your best player. I feel like that is certainly possible. I know a lot of people would disagree with that notion, but I feel like he has shown enough that he can carry the load in the postseason. Uh, Derpy Entertainment, of course, Allen gets hurt. Yeah, I made mention of that. It just, it's ridiculous. I don't know if it's just bad luck. I don't know if it's somebody pissed off the basketball gods. Who knows? But every single time we crash, uh, crash oh my gosh every time we scratch and claw our way to full strength or close to it we always take a step back it always feels like that way we get dg back we get evan back and we lose allen uh hopefully not for long uh john turner says Struess was clutch at the end hopefully that carries over to the next game we need a shooting and this is the thing like i've had i know Social media does not make for good podcasting for anybody who shares that line of thought. You might want to exit now because I'm about to go into the social media rant about Struess. I'm tired of seeing it. Yes, Max Struess is slumping right now, or at least heading into this game. He just hadn't been performing up to what we know that he is capable of. And for me, it's just like, okay, the guy may not be shooting the basketball all that well, but he is clearly providing an other areas of the game whether that is rebounding whether that's facilitation and you saw that tonight he started off the game with a really a, a couple of really nice passes out of the dho or out of the pick and roll with jared allen um, you can you can clearly see the chemistry is building there he was building that with evan mobley prior to his absence and now with evan mobley back in the fold I, I can only believe that those assist numbers are probably going to go up and the field goal attempts will probably go down he only took eight shots tonight. He was efficient, 50% from the field, four of eight, and two of four, more importantly, from three-point distance. That's the probably the most important thing of this game in that regard for Struess is just the fact that he has been able to knock down the shots. Now, overall, I believe this factors in tonight's game. Over his last five games, 10.4 points, 6.4 rebounds, which is crazy for his size, and three assists, 1.2 steals, and just 41.9% from the field. And for me, it's just like, okay, I know what you are capable of. I know that you can knock down these shots. I know that you are a streaky shooter. But in the nights when you, your shot is not falling, are you providing in other areas? Because what all, more often than not, he is. He is providing when it comes to rebounding. He is generating second chance opportunities. He is playing a high level defense or at least above average defense. So for, for people who just are, are poo-pooing on him or just don't feel like he deserves to be within that starting lineup or he deserves to lose some minutes, um, you have to keep in mind that this is just... This is the type of player that we brought in, right? This is a streaky shooter, but he is fully capable of providing in other areas. So I'm not of the mindset that you need to trade him. I'm not of the mindset that you need to bench him. I'm not of the mindset that he needs to lose minutes. And tonight's night, you know, uh, tonight's performance is really what encapsulates that. And when he's playing confidently, it makes all the difference because believe it or not, whether or not he's knocking down that shot, he's still generating gravitational pull. People are still respecting his ability to shoot and that gravity provides spacing for the rest of the offense. It, it does open the floor. I, I get it. Sam Merrill is not, uh, you know, Sam Merrill is not missing right now and he's looking like an absolute flamethrower out there and he has given you really, really good production in his role. 
but does that does that mean that he should warrant more minutes over Struess right now? I just don't think so. I feel like Merrill is in the perfect role. I feel like uh, Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, they're doing things. They're stepping up. And I feel like as long as JB can figure out a way to to sort all this out and Struess on his part can knock down some shots consistently, there's no reason to panic. And that's just that was my main takeaway. He had some very clutch plays down the stretch, that triple and whatnot, the the, the offensive rebound to go in and um and get that layup he 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 does things that often go unnoticed he really does tom k says again put that respect on dean wade yeah i mean wade shooting two of five from three-point distance tonight and he is a 40 plus percent shooter from three-point distance this season granted it's not on a high volume but that combined with this stellar defense that you're getting from him just absolutely lovely and I will take it any day of the week. And uh, the other day against um, against Detroit, I was of the mindset because this is the game in which they got Evan back. They got DG back. I was of the mindset that they would probably sit Dean Wade for George Niang just based upon what we've seen from JB in the past. But clearly, I'm happy to be wrong about that. Both of them played, but Dean got in the game first. And to be honest with you, from what I've seen from him, and I, this has my, been my biggest gripe with D-Way because you guys know, if you're a listener of this podcast, if you've been listening for any period of time, you know that I am a fan of Dean Wade. At one point, you know, when Corey was still my co-host, we were always saying, um, this is the official Dean Wade podcast, stuff like that, little little jokes and things like that. I've always been a huge believer in Dean Wade, the hypothetical version of him. If he can do that, if he can shoot the ball confidently, if he doesn't look afraid and tentative and he pulls up with confidence, then genuinely, uh, generally he's a good player. He's an impactful player. That is the bigger, uh, biggest separating factor between him and George Niang. George Niang has like unlimited confidence to shoot the ball, uh, whether that's from the three-point uh, from three-point distance or that's driving inside, which I hate. <laughs> and he makes them more often than than not these days but i i absolutely hate when he drives in but my point being he's confident and in you know not not in seasons past but at the beginning of the season the one thing that was hindering dean was the fact that he just didn't look confident there were times at which he would get the ball he would have an opportunity he would have enough space to pull up and he just wouldn't do that uh, this stretch of games without evan mobley while he's been in the starting lineup, he he looks confident as hell. And bear in mind, he's still not going to get like a a high amount of shots. That's just not going to happen. You're you're not likely to see him eclipse the the ten or more shot barrier more than a handful of games a season, if at all. It just isn't something that you're likely to see. So when you do have those opportunities, when the ball does swing your way, especially if you're out in the corners and the defense is sleeping on you and they're not paying attention, pull the fucking trigger. And I feel like more often than not, Dean has done that recently. He's also providing rebounding. He's providing defense. What more can you ask of him? He's a low usage player. So I love it. Uh, Tune in sports says down here, JB was pissing me off at first, but a win is a win. Memphis was playing free out there. Yeah. I mean, just similar to similar to this Detroit game. um, There was a lot of stellar shot making on, on, on their part, right? Aldama four seven from three point distance. Uh, guys with Scotty Pippen Jr. 
man and i'm a fan of scotty pippen jr um you know getting some some wide open looks cleveland needed to really close out a little bit better especially in that first half i I felt like they clamped down to begin the second and um, i really feel like the defense picked up as a whole but yeah there was definitely points throughout that first half where i was just like man they are getting way too many open looks uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., he was eating from inside, and that was a game, obviously, where you could feel the, the, the absence, especially in that second half of Jared Allen, of Evan Mobley, um, because Jackson was just eating Cleveland's front court alive. He was getting whatever he wanted. Um, four out of Memphis's five starters scored in double figures. It just, they, it was free-flowing. As as Tunin says done here, um, not necessarily something that was all too encouraging, especially considering that Cleveland, this is a, you know, a very highly rated defense, but uh, guys stepped up when it mattered. And that's the biggest thing. It resulted in a victory now back to back victories. And for a Cleveland team that has had to navigate injury woes all season, I, I really hope that they don't have to do that with Jared Allen. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not paying attention right now too much to the actual news in regards to that so if anybody who's listening to the pod right now live you could afford me of that update i would love to know if there is one out there but yeah i'm really hoping that that doesn't end up being a sustained absence spin rink gaming says down here people need to stop blaming jb when players don't play well um i think this season you're seeing less of that in more the fact that JB people get pissed with JB in regards to the, some of the rotations. Um, that's what I've at least that's my takeaway. That's my opinion. I feel like people are more pissed at who JB plays rather than JB's coaching himself because JB's actually I feel like he's he's elevated his his coaching. His out of timeout calls are better. His, he's challenging more calls more accurately. Um, he, he's really getting guys more involved. The, the tempo was picked up, the ball movement. It's definitely something that has been a major, major improvement this season from JB. So I don't think it's necessarily people are crapping on him because of players not playing well. It's more so, in my opinion, the fact that people are pissed off about the rotations. Guys like Sam Barrow maybe not getting enough run. Maybe uh, people still pissed off about Craig Porter Jr. not being in the rotation. Stuff like that. And then you'll have your 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 minute staggering folks who think that DG and, and Donovan probably shouldn't play on the floor too long together. Same thing with Evan and Jared. Um, and although they were doing these things last year, right? They were staggering the minutes last year. But the, the problem was that they didn't have the spacing needed to do that around him last year this year we have it right you have Niang, you have wade shooting uh shooting much better you have a core looking like an improved shooter you have sam merrill who's a fucking flamethrower you know the list goes on and on you got karis avert doing his thing but yeah i mean you can you can afford to do that now you couldn't necessarily do that too often last season and so you will have stretches like we saw tonight even in late in that third quarter where there where donovan mitchell goes to the bench and you have darius running the show right and he did actually generate a, a couple of good looks a lot of possessions resulted in some really really clean looks especially on back-to-back possessions in which sam Merrill knocked down triples you had um darius garland driving baseline and swinging a pass right out to sam Merrill. you have um, you know, the, the ball moving in particular with DG moving it to Levert and Levert moving it to Merrill, things like that. You just have a ton 
of versatility that you did not have with with last year's roster and so you will see more and more of those those minutes where you don't have both Darius and, and Donovan on the floor and then conversely you saw Donovan come in to close the game because Darius is still on the minutes restriction and you have Donovan you know kind of leading the pack as well getting the ball to his guys uh when they're open and scoring whenever he needs to and I've often said this uh, especially as of late during the stretch Donovan really continues to look like the best combo guard in the NBA if you need him to go out there and play make he will do that if you need him to get you a clutch basket and score he will do that as well and honestly he's playing some of the most inspired defense of his NBA career uh, we all know like the, there there are points in which uh, in which you, you did not get the best defensive effort out of Donovan uh, earlier points of his career because he's carrying such a gargantuan uh, offensive load. This season, he has taken the defensive challenge and it just started last year, right? But it's really become apparent this year where he's just picked up his level of play, picked up his level of intensity on that end of the floor, and I've loved it because he's setting the tone. Um, and when your leader is doing that, it's easier for you to, to pick up and follow. Uh, because one, it not only sets the tone for the rest of the team, if you don't do it, you might not be in the rotation because we know JB values defense over almost everything else, right? Very defensive minded head coach. That's why you see a player like Dean Wade drawing more minutes than, uh, than a Sam Merrill or a George Niang. That's precisely what my takeaway in regards to that is. Uh, Tune in says, yeah, DG getting hate now. I knew it was going to come after our run. Um, yeah, I mean, he's become the next scapegoat for this team. And it just always seems like whenever a player goes out, if the team does well, then therefore that means that player was the problem when that's not even remotely the case. I, I had a lot of people throwing the Cavs record with and without Darius Garland in my face. And I'm just like, dude, this team had the number one defense in the NBA last season and in the playoffs last season during their series. And somehow you still believe that Darius Garland makes this team's defense much, much worse. There's an obvious trade-off. I get that. But in saying that, the trade-off is offense, right? DG provides you a very high-quality playmaker. He provides you another go-to scorer in situations where things break down and you need a guy to get you a bucket. And Darius Garland can be that guy. Um, it, I, I just don't get it. It pisses me off. And so for now... I just got to kind of take a step back from it because people are starting to devalue him to a point that is just disgusting. I don't get it. Tom K says, Don should be a all-star starter over Dame. No question for me. I agree wholeheartedly, Tom. Um, I feel like we talked about this a lot on the last pod, but for me, it's just the numbers are very comparable, but the role and what Donovan means to his team is much different than what Dame means to his. Donovan is the best player on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They go as he goes more often than not. Milwaukee, they have a top five player. <laughs> they have a top five player in the world, in basketball, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. They'll be, they, would, they would still be a threat to win a postseason series or, or, or win enough games in the regular season to be considered a high seed, probably without date because of Giannis. If you take Donovan Mitchell away from the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'm not so sure the same can be said. Would they be able to make the playoffs? Yeah, I feel like they could, but their ceiling decreases exponentially. He is that important to this team. 
And in order for them to reach their pinnacle, you're going to have to get a, a, a real, real solid effort out of him. And he's done that this year and more. He has stepped up in the face of adversity. And I, I, I love it, man. I, I love it. And I feel like um, the, the fact that he won the, the player of the month, that speaks volumes about what the league thinks about him and the job that he's done. And I do feel like he kind of got snubbed, not even kind of, I, I feel like he got snubbed by Dame going in over him, but it is what it is. At least he made the all-star roster. Speaking of that, Jared Allen, he was not among the, the selections, right? Does that mean that he does not have a chance? No, because we got the news today that Joel Embiid, I believe towards meniscus or at least a portion of it. I don't know what the timetable is on that. I haven't actually checked on it, but that opens the door for injury replacement for Jared. The other is Julius Randle. Julius Randle made it in as a reserve and he is obviously not going to be able to play. So you have two possibilities for Jared to make it in. The problem is that there are other worthy candidates as well. Uh, you know, when you're talking about Kristaps Porzingis, who's been phenomenal for the Boston Celtics this season, when you're talking about Trey Young, as much as I hate Trey Young, he's probably going to get a look as well. And then I know TNT, the broadcasters there, they they really like Miles Turner. So I don't know. There are a couple of guys. I even had somebody mention Scotty Barnes as a possibility, and I'm just like, nah, I don't think so. He plays for a piss poor Toronto team, but I don't know. I, I I don't decide these things. I I just uh, you know I, I roll with the punches here. But I feel like Jared Allen is as deserving as a candidate as any. But problem now is Jared Allen could miss some time himself. So I don't know. Um, sucks, but I still feel like there is a possibility depending upon the time frame of his injury or what his injury actually is uh, that he could be an injury replacement in the all-star game because I feel like he's deserved it. He's been phenomenal over this stretch of basketball without Darius, without Evan, and he has been a driving force. It's not just Donovan Mitchell. He's been a driving force in getting this team. <laughs> yes, Jim Carrey, indeed. Cue the meme. Uh, there's always a chance for him. They do need the all-star break, man. They do need, and Noah Heritage says down here, this team needs the all-star break badly. They do. They need the help. But the one thing that they've shown us is that they have incredible depth. If you cut the head off, uh, you know, another will appear type of thing, right? It's just, for me, the depth has been proven this season, but I don't want to continue this heading into the all-star break. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this changes. Hopefully we can have a sustained period of time with our starting five out there. Universal Law says DG is going to mess up our flow. I don't know, man. I I, I truly do not believe that. What I what 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 was I saying prior to this? If you've been a listener of the the pod for a length of time, or if this is your first time listening, let me just let me just tell you. I don't believe this because I feel like one, the man just came back. You got to give him time to, to, to develop a chemistry with some of these guys that he hasn't had enough time to play with this season. One, I feel like he will give you more than he gives up on the defensive end. And I feel like the level of playmaking, the ball movement, and the ability to score when things break down, especially in the postseason, right? I feel like those are all abilities that Darius Garland has. Now, obviously, there is a limit to what he can provide on the defensive end. He is a smaller scar. 
but I will take the trade off. I feel like he 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 still gives this team a higher ceiling uh, with them than without him. I I just truly believe, especially in the postseason. Regular season, it's one thing, but in the postseason, you do need guys. You do need guys who can go out there and get you a bucket. That's just the reality of things. The flow that you're speaking of, I don't necessarily believe. You know that that he's going to do that. There was always going to be an adjustment period. Let's just understand that. It's same thing with Evan Mobley when he came back uh, against Detroit the other day. There's always going to be an adjustment period. And if people can understand that and just kind of give it time, let the starting five gel because the team has only played 12 games as a starting unit together. That's it. They've just played 12 games as a starting unit. So we've not really gotten to see them play for a sustained period of time. We haven't gotten to see what the added spacing brings to the table when you're talking about Max Struess out there. And we know Max has not played up to his full capabilities but he still spaces the floor. He still generates gravity. And so you have to give it time. Problem is, dudes just keep getting hurt. And so I don't know. I, I really don't know. Uh, Noah Heritage says, the point guard is literally most important role on a basketball court. Expecting DJ to come back after six weeks and play perfect is insane standards to hold him to. And this is the fucking thing to me. This is what pisses me off so much. Not so much Universal Laws comment down here, but you know some of the stuff that I've been seeing, it's just like, did you expect him to hit the ground running as soon as he came back? One, he's been dealing with a hand injury all season. He got his jaw broken. And so all and then all the all the chemistry that he would have been able to develop with some of these new pieces that have come on board or have come on as of late, it went out the window. And so to expect the guy to come right out of the gate and just be his normal self or what we know him capable of, that's just just foolish to me in my opinion i you, you can't expect him to come back and just look excellent the one thing that i will say about him tonight is that in that first half there were some careless turnovers there were some things that you could kind of tell like he's just not up to speed right now um, i don't think it's a game flow issue i don't think it's a chemistry issue necessarily uh in that regard i just feel like he just doesn't have his legs under him just yet um and obviously they have him on a minutes restriction for a reason in that second half, if you could tell, especially in the third quarter minutes without Donovan Mitchell out there, you saw DG show flashes of what he is normally capable of, the high-level playmaking, the shot making, the, the shot creation. You saw that in stretches. And as he continues to get back in basketball shape, I feel like that is probably going to be what you see more often than not. And so, as Noah says down here, it, it is the most important role. And that's why we've seen... Um, Donovan Mitchell, like him shifting to that point guard role in Darius's absence, he's made it he's made it so that you don't necessarily have to worry about that being a, a, a negative. You don't have to worry about nobody. You don't have to worry about a player out there not being able to do that because at any point in in time during these games, you can either have Darius running the show or you can have Donovan run the show. And then you're going to have your minutes where both of them are both of them are out there sharing the floor together. And so I'm just not as worried about it as a lot of fans are. I just, I'm trying to have patience here because people, what this win streak has done is to just kind of put a magnification on certain guys having to perform to a standard that may or may not be attainable or just might be unfair, right? You, you can't expect a guy to come back and just hit the ground running as soon as they're coming back from injury. It just, it isn't going to happen. Evan Mobley looked rusty the other day too. 
and i didn't see a lot of people complaining about that um people just i don't know if it's people holding dg to a different standard or people just not believing in this backcourt tandem and preferring dg to not be here but more often than not it seems like the latter tom k says dg will get his legs underneath him soon uh, he, he pays feel a bit more under control. Saw that all shooter lineup they rolled out with DG, Merrill, Niang, Wade, Levert. Yeah, there were some funky lineups out there, but I mean, I think they got away with it because of the of who Memphis rolled out, right? They didn't really have like a true, true big out there. I, I guess Jaron Jackson Jr. actually counts as that, but they had Dean Wade playing defense on him during stretches. So I, I don't know. I didn't love that because you you never really love the tallest guy on your side of the court being 6'8". But I understand the rationale, the shooting. And that's, like I said earlier, they didn't have that um, last season. They didn't have the ability to roll out a, a lineup like that because, frankly, nobody could knock down shots on that second unit consistently. Uh, maybe Karras because Karras experienced a career season from three-point distance last year but he had his stretches of inconsistency as well and he can only do so much I don't know uh but yeah I I do feel like there are certain lineups like this one that you have down here Tom where it might you you may not agree with it or I might not agree with it but uh it, it's definitely something that G, that uh, JB has at his disposal um Definitely something that will give you confidence in the future as these guys get more time playing with one another, though. Um, TuneIn says, some people want DG to come off the bench and run the second unit. I don't know what the fuck people are thinking that for. Clearly, DG is not going to come off the bench. They would ra- they would sooner trade Darius Garland than, than have him coming off the bench. And I do not feel like either one is uh <laughs> either one of those things is going to come to fruition but yeah that's just ridiculous to me Darius Garland is at his best when he is in that starting lineup you're going to have to live with the fact that Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell are in the lineup together and uh at certain points they will be staggered and they can do that this year uh Noah says at the end of the day what are we going to do about it anyway we're not trading any of the core four before the deadline might as well just enjoy the game and deal with the issues in the offseason yes yes and so this is a great point because uh my, I am of the mindset that this postseason is going to go a long way in determining the direction of this franchise if the Cavs get swept in the first round you can best believe there are going to be some big-time changes, not even just to the head coaching position, because JB will probably be the first person out the door in the event that there is another playoff collapse. But you could probably see some of the other assets traded out as well. That's just my opinion. I don't know that for sure, obviously. But um, you could probably expect sweeping changes if another playoff collapse ensues. And so this postseason is going to go a long way in determining how far or what changes need to be made or how things need to be tweaked conversely if they have a deep playoff run you may not see too many substantial changes um you you obviously probably wouldn't see the any of the core four moved you might see some ancillary moves uh, on the you know on, on the edges right but you're not going to see anything big time Tune in says down here, I wasn't too much a fan of that lineup. I prefer a little more defense, but I see JB is experimenting with his lineups. And this is what you love, right? Now that you have that death tune in, you have that ability to throw out funky lineups like this. You couldn't do that last year because you just didn't have the requisite shooters. You didn't have the requisite depth or at least guys that JB trusted. Um, and so I, I, I love it, man. 
I, I love it and I, I hope he continues to do that eventually he's got to settle on something some definitive stuff now obviously I, I say that but there will be scenarios oh my gosh there will be situations and scenarios in which you might need to adjust on the fly if a guy is not having a good game or underperforming you might need to throw out a different look out there but more often than not, I, I hope that JB kind of nails down a standard rotation, uh, for lack of a better term. Chaz Orlando says Dean Wade held up well at the five in crunch time. He did. I think that was more a microcosm of what Memphis was trotting out there rather than a uh, the, the norm, right? I do not love Dean Wade playing the five in crunch time for a substantial portion of the time. I'm glad it worked tonight. Uh, but I, I wouldn't put too much value in that working more often than not. Um, I, I love Dean Wade, though. Um, he's been nothing short of phenomenal this season when they've called upon him. Universal Law also says, I feel the same way about Evan Mobley. It's their lack of aggressiveness that scares me. Uh, I think that with Mobley, right, a lot of people are seeing what some of these other bigs are doing around the league. They're seeing Chet. They're seeing Wimby. You know, there's a lot of names you could throw out there. And they're saying, wow, this guy has not progressed offensively or he's not aggressive enough or there's no consistent three-point shot or mid-range jumper. Um, and for me, it's just like the kid is young. There's still time for him to develop these things. Aggress uh, aggressiveness, on the other hand, I'm not so certain that's something that you develop over time. I feel like that's a mentality. And I feel like Mobley is capable of being aggressive it just doesn't happen as often as you'd like. Um, does it scare me? No, I feel like that is something that you just have to watch play out. And I think as he gets older, as he adds more tools to the shed, uh, to his game, that hopefully that lack of aggressiveness won't be something that hinders him. Uh, especially if you have somebody out there like Jared Allen, who is playing much more aggressively. So that's that's kind of where I stand on the the core four at the moment. Purely in regards to this game, though, there were just there were a lot of things to love. Um, there there were some things to hate out there, obviously, like that funky lineup that we talked about. But one of the things that I absolutely loved tonight was the fact that the Cavs actually seemed to get some motions run for Sam Merrill. I saw a lot of complaints about that. I. A lot of people complaining that Sam Merrill was standing in the corners, which is not even remotely true, by the way, because the dude is like literally always in motion. He is constantly in motion, whether that he, whether he's trying to come off of screens, whether he's staggering, uh, whether he's trying to set somebody else up or cutting, he's doing it all. He's not just standing in the corners. And so I love the fact that uh, JB was unafraid to play him and he really, really came through. Nine points on the night, three of five from three-point distance. And the thing that I have absolutely loved about the Sam Merrill minutes is the fact that the defense is scrambling to defend him. Like we saw it in the Clippers game. Uh, we kind of saw it against Detroit too, it stretches. But it's for me like the fact that the defense is so scared of him and will go over screens now they were they will face guard him they will follow him um it just i did not think that we would have a player on our roster like that this year you know outside of maybe donovan or darius or somebody like that but for a reserve to come in and do that 
it's been it's been a fun ride and I, there's a lot of different comparisons that people are making you know you got kyle corver as tuning says down here baby corver uh i've seen people make comparisons to clay thompson uh players of that elk and that's what i've enjoyed the most about the sam merrill minutes is the 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 scare that he puts into the opposition the scouting report is out on him like the teams are not giving him easy looks and he's still knocking down shots it's it's phenomenal it's something that has been very refreshing to watch uh, J Quest says down here when Merrill cuts through the paint, the entire defense has their eye on him. They really do. It you know, it's not even just cutting through the paint either. It's out on the wings. It's on the perimeter when he's trying to go around, uh, you know, go around some DHOs or some some basic screens. The defense is making sure that they have an eye on him on every single possession. I saw more than a handful of possessions tonight where they were literally face guarding him, so afraid that he would pop out on a screen and just pull up instantly. Something that the Cavs did not have at their disposal last year. And so I've, I remain very, very impressed with Sam Merrill. And I said this a couple of pods ago, if he was like two or three inches taller, we'd probably be talking about him in that starting unit, like time to have a conversation kind of stuff. Uh, Just because of how much he impacts the game from a spacing standpoint, and that's not, again, you know, no slight to Max Struess, who I still am a big believer in. But Sam's just balled out in every opportunity that he's gotten, at least every extended opportunity. Um, we know the Clippers kind of took him out of his element to a degree. But even in that game, there were possessions in which you could see that he was bending the defense. You could see that there were considerable spacing generated from him because he took some of the best perimeter defenders off the uh you know, out of the game out there. When you're talking about Kawhi Leonard stepping out there and defending you and you, you and other players not having to worry about Leonard on them, that's big time to me. That is, they're, they're paying him that much respect. That's the way I look at it. Like they respect his ability to knock down shots so much that they are getting perimeter defenders out there no matter what. So that should only open up the floor for everybody else in that second unit and in stretches where he's playing with some of the starters, which we know how deadly the um, Donovan Mitchell to Sam Merrill connection has been. And I, I hope I, I hope and pray that Darius Garland, as we saw tonight on a few possessions, I hope that Darius Garland to Sam Merrill becomes a worthwhile connection as well. And you've seen that uh, play out. And so we just got to be patient here. Tune in says, I'm glad Cleveland gave him a chance. I am too, man. And they got him for a rel- relatively cheap contract. I need to look at the contractual numbers again, but they got him on that multi-year deal. And he he's by far become one of the best shooters in the league. I know I say this on social a lot, but uh, while he may not be the best shooter in the league, while I'm hyping him up to be, he is legitimately a top five shooter right now. But statistically, since he's been given an opportunity to play and come to this rotation, he has been a top five shooter in this league. And that's phenomenal, man. That's not something I anticipated happening. What else happened tonight? Well, I love the fact that Isaac Okoro, again, playing high-level defense, him being unafraid to pull the trigger and take that three-point shot. And I feel like JV got the minutes distribution right tonight. I'll say that. And that is not always going to be the case because you're not going to be seeing a rotation that features Jared Allen and Darius Garland playing sub 30 minutes as the season goes on, as those guys get off a minutes restriction. 
Um, and same same can be said with Evan Mobley when he comes back. So I I, I enjoyed the minutes distribution tonight. JB kind of pulled the right strings here. You saw Levert leading the pack, and Levert had a pretty big night himself tonight. 16 points on six of ten from the field, and um, some some much needed baskets down the stretch in this game to keep the Cavs within it or pull ahead. Um, Niang wasn't the best game from him it also wasn't the worst either and you're just going to kind of live with what production he gives you because he is one of the only front court options that can space the floor outside of dean wade of course <laughs> jose a says Cavs twitter is cooked um yeah more and more often than not jose i just got to i gotta tell myself to just disengage with these folks that believe some of these things that they believe about the Cavs because while I can borderline on overly positive I'd rather live in a reality like that than be surrounding myself with constant negativity because there's always there's already too much of that in the world I don't need to add to it on a social media app where people are just letting bullshit takes fly left and right about this team when they're winning (laughs) that's the crazy thing they are winning games despite these injuries and people are using it as ammunition to fuel up trade uh, trade rumors and narratives and pushing agendas that just don't need to be pushed. I don't know. That's where I'm at with this Cleveland Cavaliers team. I feel like the ceiling is the roof right now. They just got to kind of sort some things out. They have to figure out the rotation. That's first things first. They have to figure out who's in, who's out, and what the minute totals will be like. And that is not a static thing. I understand that. Um, there are going to be nights when certain guys who are deserving of minutes do not get the minutes that they are deserving of. But as long as JB can balance it out and it results in W's, far from me to be pissed about it. And so the Cavs, after tonight's victory, they are now 30 and 16 on the season. And checking the standings here, at least on Bleacher Report, that puts them still at the fourth seat. And with the injury to Julius Randle, um, the Cavs might have an opportunity to move up to number three here if the Knicks start losing games, which they may not. And so the Cavs, they might be locked into that four seed, but time will tell. I don't know. As I always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review. Send a screenshot to said review, and I will send you an invite. Go Cavs.